This is a news update on University of Portsmouth Research, brought to you by Life Solved. I'm Glenn Harris. I'm speaking today to Dr Tom Webb, Senior Lecturer in Sport Management, about how a number of UK sporting bodies are coming together to help tackle the issue of abuse towards officials and how to support them and protect their mental health. I don't think it's ever been done. Something has to be done and, and this seems to me you know, a significant step forward in terms of understanding the challenges. Thanks for speaking to me today, Tom. What we're going to talk about today is a new group which is coming together, which is aiming to tackle the abuse that officials face and some of those interconnected issues around isolation and the impact on mental health. So just to start, can you tell me a little bit about your research, background to your research? Yeah, so I've been looking at officiating as a research area for, for a significant number of years now. Sort of started back when I did my master's degree. It was back in 2005, working with the FA on some of the work they were doing. They wanted to know a bit more about the referee workforce, their training, their well-being, recruitment, retention, that sort of stuff. And they were losing referees and they, they didn't really know why and there was a bit of an issue they thought it might be something to do with abuse but they didn't know how much there was and, and, and things like that so that survey focused on that and we actually found there was quite a bit of abuse and, and physical and verbal and there were issues around training development opportunities mentoring and that sort of stuff and some of that work underpinned and led to the respect program that the FA launched in 2008 I went and worked in in the sport management sector for a few years when I came back into higher education at, at the University of Portsmouth, I started looking at elite officiating and made contact with all my previous contacts again. And some of the work I did there was at sort of high level, looking at England compared to Spain, compared to Italy, referees at UEFA level, FIFA level, and all around the culture, the training, development, assessment, and the cultural differences that exist between countries as well, and, and how we perform and train and prepare and, and then are assessed and learn basically within those settings. And I used elite refereeing to look at some of those concepts. There was also a theme that came through the interviews, which I conducted in, in the different countries and, and, and around Europe, around abuse and, and that there was still abuse from the crowd and, and things like that, and also players and, and even at the elite level. And so I started thinking again about, okay, well, I wonder what that's like now in football in England. And then we also thought, well, I wonder what's happening across other sports. So we, we looked at rugby union, rugby league, cricket, all in, in England. And actually found that there was a bit of an issue across sports. So some sports were slightly worse than others in terms of the abuse that, that referees or officials were facing. But generally across all sports, there were, there were trends which were cutting across the sports. So then we started thinking, well, I wonder if that, if that is evident in other countries. And so we went to UEFA and got funding to work with the Dutch and French FAs and UEFA to look at whether those trends extended beyond national boundaries. Uh, and they did. And again, there were some differences, but there were also trends that existed across sports and countries into Europe. And that led us to then start to write the book, which we published at the end of uh, 2020, which focused on, on abuse towards officials and policy implications around the world and, and across sports. And that really led us onto the, uh, the concept of mental health, because if someone's been abused, then there's a likelihood that there will be some sort of mental health consideration for that individual. We've started looking at sort of mental health within sports officiating, of which there's hardly any research. We published a paper this year, and that was one of the, I think, maybe the fourth or fifth paper that had been published and one of the first that actually 
used empirical data. We interviewed referees, football referees in England and the female football referees to look at their experiences and understanding of mental health. Because of all that research and engagement with organisations and sports in different countries around the world, it sort of led to this point and the formation of the the group of, of different sports in England to start to tackle some of these problems and address some of the issues around abuse, mental health, isolation, recruitment and retention of, of sports officials. And could, what are the types of abuse? You said you looked at kind of cross-country, various kind of trends which emerged. So what are the types of abuse that officials would be receiving at all levels, not just elite levels, but throughout the game? Officials can receive abuse at any level. Although the, the type of abuse and the severity of the abuse will differ depending on that level. So we see abuse at the elite level. We see it on TV. It's televised. And obviously that can have um, a negative impact in terms of people who, who are watching that and, and, and thinking that that behavior is okay. Officials have, have told us through the research we've done that they see that sort of behavior played out on a Saturday and Sunday at local levels around around the country and in different countries when there's a, a particularly negative incident which is televised in a live fixture for example and it sort of normalizes that behavior in terms of the, the abuse itself as i said it, it differs depending on the level so for example you're much less likely to see physical abuse in elite level sport just because the crowd uh, security members that are there the police the additional officials, you know, all of that sort of stuff means that it's far less likely, you know, you have less access to the playing area than you do on a Saturday or Sunday at a local level. In terms of verbal abuse, we see that week in, week out in, in professional sport. It is televised. That verbal abuse, when it's at lower levels, can really escalate into physical abuse and threatening behaviour and things like that. And at a local level, referees and officials from whatever sport are probably officiating in, in a local area. They probably live in that area or very close. They might have children that go to school with, with some of the people that they're officiating. Those people who, who they are officiating might know where they live. You know, so there are real sort of dangers if, if things escalate negatively at a local level. And, and that's the sort of difference really at an elite level. We see it every now and again. I'll use football as an example, but Mike Dean last season, quite a high profile referee in the Premier League, had death threats on social media and then his family also by implication had death threats and so he you know he didn't officiate for a couple of weeks because of those threats and the situation he found himself in a couple of years before that Michael Oliver refereed a Champions League game and he had the same death threats to his home they somehow found out where he lived who his wife was where she worked all that sort of stuff and these escalated through social media now professional football referees don't have social media accounts but even so by implication family members might they might find them in other ways and so it can escalate even at the elite level if you like so yes there are differences but there are challenges with abuse at, at every level of sport what are those impacts that happen to referees or officials who face this abuse what what can it do to them yeah and that, that's where the mental health research and work we're doing really comes in it, it can really make people feel you know very low um, it can affect their mental health negatively. It can mean that they, you know, they withdraw. They don't want to officiate. They perhaps their home life, their family life suffers as, as a result. It can have, you know, quite negative implications. And that individual then doesn't know where to turn. They don't know how to get out of that situation. And the only way out really is to stop officiating. Now, 
that that's not obviously not what we want. We want to retain officials. We want them to enjoy it. We want them to operate in a safe environment. And of course, when we're talking about improving these environments for for sports officials, you know, in terms of playing environments, by association, if we do that, it also increases the experience and the the, the playing environment for for players, for coaches, and for spectators as well, because they're all in the same environment, and 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 these groups don't operate exclusively quite often people think oh well we're just talking about officials we're just talking about referees umpires well yes we are we're talking about them as a group because they're very distinct challenges that we we know from years of research and work with governing bodies but we also know that if we help those individuals we also help the wider games the wider sports speaking about connectedness um in the past you say kind of the sports have been dealing with this on their own but the new group that you're pulling together is taking a multi-sport approach to this isn't it yeah we, we one of the main themes and findings from the research which and it was in the book that we published was that we found across countries and sports so this is not unique to england or the uk but what we found was that, that sports really didn't didn't talk to each other and, and they weren't sharing information they weren't sharing good practice and it was just a historic thing. They just weren't talking really. They were operating in, in sort of silos and looking after themselves, which which absolutely we can understand. But what we found was there were some really great things going on, which perhaps people don't know about in other sports. And also on the flip side, there are things that maybe sports have tried that haven't worked related to abuse, mental health, recruitment and retention that maybe other sports aren't aware of. And so they might replicate those mistakes. Well, if we know what mistakes have been made, then let, let's say, you know, if it doesn't work, let's tell everyone. And so the idea of starting this conversation of joining up these sports is to really focus on addressing the issues of abuse because they, as I said, there are themes and issues that cut across sports and countries. They're not unique to one sport. And it might be that there are shared initiatives towards tackling abuse. It might be that we think about joint campaigns or educational delivery or whatever that might be across sports and then we're having a, a joint message we're having a coherent message which goes to all those people that play that spectate that coach that says this is really important people that play football might also play cricket in the summer they might play tennis in the summer these people don't just play one sport necessarily some do but some don't and so these are all things that, that we're hoping this group can explore. That's really important to sort of focus on. And I think there's a shared value there across the group. And, and that's where we're sort of coming from with this initial meeting. And has anything like this been done before? No, based on the work I've done in different countries, different sports. I don't think there's been a group that's been formed in this, this space before across major governing bodies like we've got involved in this group across different sports you know, with a different focus, it, I don't think it's ever been done. Something has to be done. And, and this seems to me, you know, a significant step forward in terms of understanding the challenges, but also what we can do to change this situation. To find out more about news, events and research from the University of Portsmouth, go to port.ac.uk or follow us at Portsmouth Uni on Twitter and Instagram.